we love each other, but we also have some work to do tonight. So if you, if you have your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're going to get there in a little bit, so uh, you might want to turn to it or flip to it or pull out your phone and, and, and get that up. Um, one item of business before we get into the message. Uh, so many of you over the last school year have prayed for students. We have this program we call Adopt a Student. Here's how it works. At the beginning of the school year, um, we give you a, a picture of a student and a little bit about them, and we just ask you to pray for them once a week for the whole school year. And many of you do this, and you go way above and beyond. I mean, people write cards, they send birthday presents, people even give camp scholarships and things like that, more than we ever asked, but, but you pray for students faithfully, and so um, I, I just haven't had a chance lately to say thanks for that, and so I want to thank you again for praying for students, and just know, um, even if you don't hear all the stories and all that kind of stuff, um, that, um, that does play out in the lives of students, and it impacts them in great ways, and so thank you for that, and if you're curious, right now, um, we are compiling that stuff for this year, and in a few weeks, you'll get an opportunity, um, again, to adopt a student this year and to be praying for them. And so um, if you're eager and you just want to pray now, just pray for the student you had last year. And, and if you didn't have one last year, then tonight will be helpful and you'll be able to figure out somebody to pray for. So um, I, I don't know how it was for all of you this week, but it was a pretty big week for my family. And um, as I watched Facebook this week, I realized it was a pretty big week for many of you guys as well. It was first day of school, and so um, I didn't put these on Facebook, so I got to show them here. And I, I know they might be a little dark. I, I know that's really hard to see, but um, th these are my kids' first day of school. And so um, Anne, she's a fourth grader this year, and um, she's covering up her sign, but she wants to be a teacher. And then um, Katie in the middle, she's in first grade this year, and um, once again, she wants to be a spy trainer. That's what she wants to grow up and be. And so this is awesome. And, and then Connor's in preschool, and so he wants to be a doctor. And I'm thrilled with that because this is my retirement plan right now is that my son is a doctor. And so a uh, big week for us. And, and, and I don't know if it's like this for you, but... Uh, you know, for us, just everything shifts at the start of school. We, we were just in summer mode, and, and for most of the summer, our family, we're together a lot. I mean, I'm gone a little bit for camps, and yet the rest of the time, I mean, we take vacation together, so we have extended days where we're together, and, and even when we're home, and we had a lot of time at home, and I was even at work a lot this summer, but I get the, I get the privilege of just going home for lunch and all of my family's there, and we sit down, and we eat lunch together, and then I go back to work. And so we were just in this rhythm of that. And then this week, first week of school, that changed, and we all just went separate ways. Connor goes to one school, and then child care, and, and Katie goes to another school, and then Ann goes to another school, and then um, Ann and Sarah are at the same school because Sarah's teaching, but they're not close to each other, so they don't really see each other. They're in different parts of the building. And then I'm at work, and so we just do this all day long. We just, you know, fan out. And I, I went home on Thursday for lunch, and it was me and the dog. 
And it was just weird. Everything changes. And and we have seasons like that in our families where where everything goes out. And I find for myself, when our family is having seasons like this, there's a a message that I'm really trying to get across to my kids. I I just find find myself saying this a lot because we'll go out and then we all come back together in the evening. And so we're sitting at dinner and I'll make us turn off the TV for just a few minutes. And so we'll try to ask them about their day. And I, I find myself in the middle of that saying, you know, hey, isn't it great that, that even though mom and dad can't go everywhere with you, isn't that amazing that God is with you always? Uh, that's one of the, the, the things I, I find myself thanking God for and saying to my kids, I, I really want them to have a healthy sense of the presence of God in their life and his care and leadership in them um, wherever they go. And I know a big part of that's for me. I mean, I drop my kids off at school for the first day, and, and you drop them into great environments. You know the teachers. You know what it's going to be like, and you just, you just know it's going to be great. But at the same time, you worry, don't you? I mean, you just know of all the things that could happen and how they could affect their, your kids. And so because you care for them, you, you worry. And so you drop them off and you get in your car and, and I'm driving and I'm thanking God. Thank you, God, that wherever my kids go, even when I'm not with them, you are with them. And, and your hands, they're, they're great. They're, they're great care. So it's huge for me. But at the same time, I know what's coming for my kids. I just know the reality. A lot of times when I say things like that, they just kind of roll their eyes. They're not afraid to go to school or whatever. And so they just kind of, you know, roll their eyes. Dad, who cares? You know, but I just know how it's going to be. I know that there's going to be a time when all of their friends leave them out of something. Remember what that's like? Everybody gets invited to something you don't get invited to and how, how, how lonely that is. Or I know that there's going to be a time when they make a mistake. And probably, probably many mistakes, and some of them big, and they're going to have a teacher say, you know, you totally misunderstood that. You need to go back and, and redo this. I, I know that's coming. I, I know there's going to be times where everybody is going to be doing something that isn't right, and, and my child is going to have to make a decision. Are they going to do what is right or do what everybody else is doing and I, I, I just know how, how big those moments are and, and how alone you feel and, and, and you know when they're with us I can give them a hug and I can talk them through that but, but I just know the reality is, is there's going to be times like that when mom and dad aren't around no, no adult that's keyed into it or around to give them a hug or to walk them through it and so I just want them to know at that time God is there and, and he understands and he sees it and he cares. And they're not alone. And, and this, is, this is a big piece of the gospel, isn't it? I mean, the gospel is so big and it's so uh, broad and yet it's really simple. But a big piece of the gospel is that when we receive Christ, we enter into this relationship with God. He is with us always and he is offering us complete security. Like this is what the scriptures say. This is what Paul is speaking about in Romans chapter 8. And so if you're there, this is what he says in, in, in verse 31. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? And you can circle those words, these things. And next to it, you can kind of write, what, what things? 
Because this is what happens when you pick up a, a, a book of the Bible in the middle, right? And you just open it up and you start reading and you read these phrases like, what should we stay in response to these things? But if we haven't read before in Romans, we don't know what he's talking about. And so we can guess and we can make assumptions and we can maybe totally get it wrong. And so your assignment this week is go read Romans, at least up to chapter 8, and you'll know what these things are. But what Paul is doing is he's writing this letter, if you've ever read Romans, and it's a letter to some Christian people, and he's reminding them of their condition in Christ. And he's speaking about the gospel and what is accomplished in their lives. And so first of all in this letter, he writes about their condition in sin. Right? This is the whole first section, the first couple chapters that he is making the case that all of humanity, even the really good church people that do all the rules and all those things or try to, or, or the people who couldn't care less about God, he's, he's just making the case that all of them are, are under sin and all of them in some way have rejected and walked away from God. And there's a consequence to this. That the um, insecurity, that the pain, that, that, that some of the realities that we face, some of the fears that we have and things that could happen to our kids when we drop them off at school, um, much of that is a result of, of sin and, and what is done in this world. And I'm a participant in it and you are a participant in it. This is his case. But at the same time, as he's talking about our condition in sin, he begins to talk about God and what God has done. And in chapter 5, it says God demonstrates his love for us that while we are sinful, he still dies for us, right? And, And this is a big piece of the gospel that God moves first. That that while we are disinterested and disobedient, God pursues us and loves us and goes to the cross and offers us relationship with him. And those who respond, those who receive that in faith, they enter into this amazing standing in God's grace. And this is what much of Romans chapter 8 is, is all the things that come with a relationship with God. No condemnation, that that our judgment that we deserve, that that is taken care of because of Jesus and and what he's done. And he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that that, that God gives us his spirit. And and that we're in this relationship with God where, where we are his dearly loved children and he is our perfect father. That's what he, he, he goes on to say in Romans 8 and, and, and God is committed to accomplishing a work in us. And so this is what Paul has been writing up to this point. And so he says this, what shall we conclude about all of these amazing things that God has done? And this is what he goes on to say. This is his conclusion. This is, this is what it means for us. He says, what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. That's encouraging. No, in all things, though, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, he says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, in case he forgot something, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. On your notes, I I want you next to this section just to write two words and write them big, complete Security. Because isn't that what Paul is trying to say? That, that the conclusion of uh, the gospel of what Jesus has done and, and, and what our relationship with him means is that we are in this standing with God and it's a place of complete security. That we could be in the middle of hardship. He lists all kinds of really challenging things, but he says nothing is going to take us from God's love. From God's commitment that God isn't against us, but he's actually for us. And he even explains how we know that. He says, well, we know that by by looking at the cross. That if God gave his son, why wouldn't he give you anything else that's needed in the moment? And and Jesus died, but he's alive, and he's actually at the right hand of God interceding. That just means that Jesus is talking to the Father about you, right? And we're in the standing that nothing gets in the way. No more barriers. Nothing separates us from God. It's a place of complete understand or security wherever we are, whatever we're facing. And so as I'm sending my kids off to school and, you know, care about them, love them, isn't it great that mom and dad can't go everywhere with you and be there all the time? But isn't it great that God goes with you? And, and actually, this is a place of amazing security. So so I want my kids to get this. And so I talk about it a lot. And honestly, I I want students to get this too. I mean, when I think about pieces of the gospel and how broad and how big it is, like one of the big ones that I just want to put up in front as a youth pastor, and I just want kids to get is, is this right here, a healthy understanding of God's presence and security for those who are in Christ. Uh, I, I want them to get it because when we look at students, um, one of the things that we just see is insecurity. Like, no offense, students, but here, here's the thing. If you, if you talk to people who know students, so parents, you, you know your students well. And, and I know there's things that they hide from you that you don't know. That's just the reality. You don't know everything about them, but you, you know them well. And, and youth workers, if you talk to youth workers or even students. So last, last week I, I sat down with about 10 of our students and we talked about some of these things. And what students will say about themselves is to say, when we look at students, we, we see insecurity. We, we see a lot of other things, too. I mean, we see God's amazing design and creativity and talents that they have and, and all these things. But oftentimes, those things are squelched because of fear. Or they're held back, or they, they shrink back, or they even choose 
unhealthy things or, or, or sinful things because simply I'm afraid or, or, or I'm unsure. And you know, if you, you look at our culture today for, for students, I mean, it's obvious why they are in many ways. And, and, and we just got to admit that, that adults, I don't care what age you are, if you're over about 25, the world is different for teenagers than it was when you were a teenager. We, we just got to say this, like this, this group of teenagers, they have always done lockdown drills in their school, Right? That's, all, that's been the norm. There's always been that understanding that, um, you know, somebody could be coming in to harm. Um, school shootings have always taken place in their lifetime, right? And, and, and there's more than that. I mean, they, they understand the concept of a background check. Like, that's, that, that's obvious. They understand that there are people out there and their um, desire is to get close to kids to hurt them. Take advantage of them. These kinds of things. Or, or, or terrorism in their lifetime is not something that happened um, across the seas. It's, it's something that happens close to home. Like even at the mall that they go to. Right? Um, it, it, it's here. And, and, and internet security, students know more about internet security than adults. And they know what they should and shouldn't do. That doesn't necessarily mean that they always practice the things that they know, but, but they know this. And I think probably the, the biggest difference in the lives of students today compared to when I was that age is, when I was that age, we always had bullies, you know, mean girls and guys that like, you know, pressured people that were weaker or whatever, and they took advantage and all that kind of stuff. But in my day, um, when you got off the bus, that ended. You went home, and home was quiet usually, or safe, or often, or at least was for me. But the reality in today's world is you go home, and you turn on your computer to do homework, and it's there as well through social media. Like it's nonstop pressure, and things often are said very public for everybody to see and, and and so in a lot of ways uh, of course they're they're insecurity but but you know what's interesting to me is that with all those things that are so different in the world today for students do you know what what students usually talk about when they talk about things that they're afraid of and worry it's not about those things I mean, they know, they, they know the reality, and it's not, it's not the, the fear that somebody might come into their school with a gun. You know what they talk about is they worry sometimes if their friends are just polite to them or if they actually like them, right? Or what will happen if I don't pass high school or don't get into college? Like what, what will happen? I don't know what I'll do. Or, or what will happen if mom and dad split? Or, you know, what will happen if I grow up and, and I'm alone? I never get married. And it's funny with all the things that are different and, and, and culture and all these other things. And of course they produce fears in some ways. But the reality is much of those core things that we're all struggling with or we did when we were that age, they're still the same. Like your world is different, students, and yet the core of what sin has done to us and the fears and the ways we hurt one another, those things have not changed. And so we feel alone a lot. And we're insecure. 
And the answer to all of those is found in the message of Jesus and in a relationship in, with him and what he produces through knowing him. The answer to terrorism, to bullying, to all the fears that we have, the hope and the peace that we can have in Christ is found in what Paul is saying. Wherever you go, whatever is going on in your life, Jesus is enough and he's for you. And so we want students to get this. We want them to get it desperately. And i got to give you some insight into youth workers. So, so youth workers like me, youth pastors, volunteer youth workers, um, I would call us control freaks. Um, we're, we're not that way necessarily on the outside, but inside um, we feel this huge tension with kids. That they need to be around us all the time. That they need us to protect them or teach them or, or guide them. And we see this the most coming away from like week-long camps. And, and so you're at a camp and you're, you're, you're talking with students and, and you see some of the decisions they're making for God and about the, the next year of their life. And, and so here's what leaders talk about away from the students. They think, man, this is so exciting what God is doing. At the same time, they're going back to a home and nobody in that home cares about God. Man, I, I, need, I need to see him every day. I need to, they need to move into my house. I mean, youth workers, they, they, they say these things uh, about students. And I can remember this year, we had a foreign exchange student last year in our youth group. It was awesome. Her name was Rafa. You guys remember her? She was awesome. And, and so, uh, you know, last spring she got baptized. And, and this was so exciting that she came to the U.S. and got to be a part of our group and, and really got to know Jesus. And, 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 you know, as she was getting baptized, one of the things that we were talking about is she kept saying, you know, I'm going back to Brazil and there's nothing like this in Brazil. Nothing like this for me. And, and, and there's a part of me that's thinking, okay, which youth staff person is going to Brazil? Right? Lord? Um, and, and, and I have to be honest that some of that is good and that it motivates us to want to rearrange our lives to be around students and serve them and support them as they're following Jesus. But underneath some of this is a disbelief in what Paul is saying, that our complete security is in Jesus who never leaves them. Right? Like, I just have to admit that there's a part of me at times in the way that I think about kids, it's a disbelief in that, and it's a more greater confidence in me. Their complete security is in their youth pastor who goes to school with them, right? Which I don't hardly ever, okay? And I think parents, we, we can do this too. I mean, it is just so easy for us in, in our parenting um, to disbelieve the security that somebody has in Christ and, and take it all on ourselves. I, I'm not a parenting expert at all. I'm not even a cultural expert. But one of the things that I observe is that um, years ago, uh, the, the main goal of parenting seemed to be moving kids towards maturity. And in a lot of ways, I see a shift where the big goal of parenting is simply just to keep them safe. 
And, and I, don't want to, I don't want you to misunderstand me. There's so many good things for us to do in terms of using our wisdom to protect and guide and coach kids, especially as they're younger. But I wonder underneath some of the things that we do, if we could admit that at times we disbelief God's care and security in their lives and we take too much on ourselves. We think, oh, but they have to be with me. Or I have to control that so that they'll be okay. And sometimes I wonder as parents and and adults if our faith in God is a little bit of releasing. Saying, hey, you know, mom and dad, youth workers, we're great. But we can't be with you all the time. Thank you that God goes with you. That your security can be found in him. You know, I, I, I get a lot of encouragement studying the Apostle Paul and his life. I just, I just love to read about him. And, and it's great because we get glimpses into the history of things going on. And then we also get kind of his commentary a little bit as he writes some of the letters that we get. And, and one thing that I notice about Paul is Paul really gets this. He's always moving people towards not a dependence on him, but a dependence on Jesus. And so what him and his friends would do often, if you read Acts, is they would go into a town and and they would share the gospel. And um, God was good and often many people would receive Jesus and this little church would start. And, and so all their, there's all these Christians, and they're ran, they're pretty excited about God. And then, and, and then oftentimes Paul would stay there for a while, but not too long, and then he would leave. And sometimes he was ran out of town, so it wasn't really his decision. Like, he was ran out of town, so what are you going to do? And so he, he would leave, and he would go off to another town. And so it was littered, all of these towns that these little churches had started. And, and, and I, I read that, and I think to myself, I wonder if Paul worried about these people. I wonder if he's like me when I drop my kids off at school, and I wonder if he just worries, uh, how are they going to be? What, are they going to be okay? And, and what's going to happen? And as we read some of his letters, we find out he did worry. Right? In, in 1 Thessalonians, he writes back to this church that he, he had been a part of the start, and then he left, he got ran out of town, and he says, for this reason, when I couldn't stand it any longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I left and there's a part of me who worries that since I'm gone, you're not going to be okay. And, and so, so in Paul's day, he, he couldn't do things like Facebook stalk them to find out. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't watch those things. He, he either had to wait for somebody from that church to come give him a report and find him or for him to send somebody back um, to, uh, to find out what's going on with the church. And sometimes some of the reports he got were not good. I mean, if you just read the, the book of 1 Corinthians, he gets a report about this church and there's a lot of chaos in this church and, it's, and there's some things that aren't going well. There, there, there's sin there and there's divisions there and they have all these questions about following Jesus and, and, and yet at the same time, he can write this letter dealing with those things and he can speak of encouragement and hope because he understands what he writes in Romans. Hey, you have complete security in Christ and what he's doing. 
And he found that to be true in in Thessalonica, that the things that God started, he continued on and he held them strong and he took care of them because right after he writes this, I was afraid that all of my work was going to be in vain and that you were struggling. And then in verse six, he says, but Timothy's just come to me and, and, and from you and he's brought good news about your faith and love. Paul wasn't there, but God was. And he was sustaining, and he was working, and he was controlling and maintaining the work they did in their lives. And so I want my kids to get, mom and dad don't go with you always, but God's there with you working, and we can rest in this, and we want students to get this. Sometimes we have to let go a little bit. Sometimes we have to admit that maybe we don't fully believe what Paul is writing. And I think when we say those things, sometimes people can say, well, Matthias, if I just release control, then they're probably going to make mistakes. Like they're going to mess their life up. And some of the mistakes might actually be big. And, and you know what I'll say is they, they probably will make mistakes. And, and so did you, Right? Like we could just look and we can see some of the things that we did. Good grief. And yet how God continued to be for us and, and, and work through that. People need full security in Christ, not me or not you. And Paul understood this and moved people towards this. And so what do we do then? I mean, do we just release control and just say, all right, whatever, you know, we, we want them to thank goodness that God goes with us. What, what kind of a role do we have in the lives of young people then if it's not control? And, and, and what I see from Paul is two things. Uh, The first I see in Ephesians chapter 3, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn over there because I want us to read this. Because Paul gives us some glimpses into things that he did did do, and this is what he did. In in Ephesians 3.14, he says, for this reason, so again, you got to read Ephesians this week. Because you don't know what he said in chapter 1 and 2 unless you've read it for a while. So you don't know what the for this reason is except it's the gospel. He's talking about, again, what God has accomplished in us who know him. And Paul says, for this reason, because I believe this, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So one thing Paul didn't do was over control. But the thing he did do is he prayed. He he took the people in his life and and he brought them before God and and he prayed for them. And, And what he prays here, it's huge. It's helpful. It's all about our security in Christ. This this is what he says. He says, I pray. That out of the glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. You could circle that phrase or whatever. 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, you could maybe circle that phrase as well, may have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And you can maybe circle that phrase, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So one of the fun things you could do in your grow groups this week is you could just read this prayer and and you could talk about what are these things that Paul prays for. What do they mean? Like, we don't have time to talk about all of them tonight. But, but what we see is this prayer that is oozing about them finding and knowing their security in Christ's love. That they would understand and be strengthened by the Holy Spirit who is in them, in their inner being. What that means to me is things can be chaotic outside, overwhelming, attack or whatever, but inside is secure. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not afraid. I'm not beat down. And things like rooted and established, to me that says a firm foundation that nothing is moving and and rooted that it's nourished at all times and, and not overwhelmed even in dry times or whatever. And then he says filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. To me that says complete, not lacking anything. His prayer for these people is that they would be secure in their relationship with God and his love for them. It's the same thing that, that, that Paul was talking about in, in Romans 8, that they would realize. And so one thing we can do with the young people in our lives is we can pray about this a lot. God, make them secure. Produce that in them. Uh, when they're on their own, help them to understand and know your presence in their life and begin to listen to and find strength and hope and encouragement from the Holy Spirit that is work in them. So we, we pray for them a lot. And I think the other thing that we see in, in, in Paul's life is that we can model security in Christ. That just means that we don't just talk about it We don't just pray about it, but as we live life with people, that we demonstrate the security in Christ that God is giving us. And as I read Paul's letters, he does this often. This is the great thing about Paul because he spent time in a place, in a town, and and shared the gospel with them. And then he left, but he could speak back of his experiences there with them. And so you remember Thessalonica, right? He was worried he left them, and he was worried that... I don't know, things aren't going to go well for them. And then he gets a good report about them. This is, this is one thing that he writes to this church early on. He says, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without result. We had previously suffered and we had been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you the gospel in the face of strong opposition. Paul just says, hey, remember my life here. Remember what I experienced. We, it was risky what we did. We just went through some challenging times, but we still came into your town. And, and while we could be overwhelmed and afraid and could have kept our mouth shut, we didn't. And you saw that. You knew that about our lives. And this is modeling or demonstrating or reminding them that, hey, when you look at my life, you can see that 
that I'm completely secure in Christ. That's what Paul is saying. And, and students actually, they, they want to see this from us. They even crave to see this kind of security and learn about it from us. They just want to learn about it in different ways than you and I want to teach it. See, see how we want to teach it is this, is we want young people to call us up, or maybe this is just me, and, and we want them to call up and say, hey, let's go to Burgerville, Matthias. And, and I'll give you an hour and a half, and I just want to hear every story about your life and what God did, <laughs> right? And I'll just sit there and soak in your wisdom, Matthias, and, and this will be amazing. That's what I want students to do, and very few times do they do that. And oftentimes, if they do that because I invited them and I start talking, they listen, but they listen politely because they care about me, not necessarily because they want to glean from all of my past experiences. Do you know when they want to see security in Christ? They they want to see it when they're in the trenches with you in life. They want to see it because you're walking alongside with them. Not to control them, not to overprotect them, but to live life following Jesus with them. So one of the coolest things I get to do as a youth pastor is we get to do baptisms. And um, this is how baptisms work here at Gateway often. We do them on the weekend services. A lot of times we do them at the end of the sermon. And so when you're involved in a baptism before the end of the sermon, before the service starts, I talk to Bob and I say, okay, so what's like five minutes to the end of the sermon? And so, you know, Bob usually tells me a little spot. And so, um, you know, we work that out. And about that time, we go in the back and we get ready for Bob to close the sermon and, and pray. And then we come out. But you, you know how this goes. And I'm not going to make fun of Bob because I do this too. I I mean, five minutes turns into 10 minutes and we're just waiting. And when you're waiting back there, it seems like forever, right? And so I'm standing back there with the student and and what I can see in them is they're just getting so nervous. You can just see it because they don't always go up in front of people all the time. And so they're terrified. You can just see they're starting to breathe heavy and sweat and everything. And they'll even say things like, when is it going to be done? You know, they just want to get out here and get out here in front of everybody. And, you know, their face is going to be on the screen and they're going to get dunked under the water. And this is uncomfortable, but they want to do this. And so oftentimes when I start to see that, I just say it. I say, you nervous? They just say, yeah. And, 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 and then I begin to tell them sometimes how I feel. Um, and especially baptism, sometimes I still get nervous for these. I mean, walking down those steps, they're, they're, you know, they're wet. And I, just one time I'm going to accidentally drop a kid or fall in. And, and so, you know, I just tell them about that. And I tell them about the first time I did communion that um, when I led it, I held the cup up and my hand was shaking so much that I couldn't concentrate on what I was saying. Okay? And, and yet I talk about how how amazing God is that he's helped me through all those things and and how cool it is that we can be terrified about what we're going to do and we can go out and do this for God, <laughs> right? And, and we, we pray and we walk out and we do it and we're modeling for them security in Christ. One of the best ways to teach this and send this is just to minister alongside students. Um, do things with them. And things that, that are overwhelming to you a little bit. 
and bring them along. And, and rearrange your life again to be around them again, not to control every part of their life, but so that they can see that wherever we are, whatever's going on in life, God is there and he's for us, not against us. So we pray and, and we model this stuff. And so tonight, just as we wrap all this up, I, I just want to ask you again, who are the young people in your life? Sometimes we just have to kind of list them out. Sometimes we have to think about not just your kids, but maybe some of your kids' friends that come over, or, or again, your neighbors, or, or maybe if you don't know anybody right now, just pick a kid over there and say the kid with the blonde hair or whatever. I don't know. Just pick a student and just who are the people in your life? And, and this is the question and moving them towards a complete security in Christ. Mom and dad aren't always there. Youth workers can't always be there, but God is always there and he's, he's enough. And moving them towards that, what do they need the most from you? Prayer? Um, maybe to release some things? I can't tell you which things. I don't know. Um, Maybe to let go a little bit. Maybe it's to be around them a little bit more and invite them into some of the things that you're doing for God. Maybe it's just for you to, for the first time in your life, begin to know this reality. That why it's hard to teach this to the people in your life is because you don't yet believe and know that in Christ you are completely secure. And you've been doing so many things, holding on to so many shallow, fake things to trust in other than God. And so maybe, maybe today it's just to say, that's, I need to deal with my own security in Christ first. But what do they need from you? And you know, the thing that we can all do is pray. And so what we're going to do tonight to close the service is I'm going to pray and, and lead us in that in a moment. We're going to sing a, a song like we do always. And, and then after the service is over, I just want to invite you to do something. Um, we're going to have some youth staff up here. And uh, you'll just know that they're youth staff because they'll be standing or sitting on the stage. And um, after the service is over, if you have a student in your life um, that's on your mind tonight, I would just invite you to come up and take a few minutes and talk with a youth staff person about it. And, and they just want to pray with you for that student. That's it. Um, we're not always experts, all that kind of thing. We just want to serve you and we want to team up better with adults in our church. And so tonight as you leave, if you take a few minutes to come up, we'd love to pray with you for the young people in your life. Let's pray right now. God, um, I want to thank you that you have never left me. And your hands have been strong enough to deal with my sin, to deal with my fears. to help me to follow you. I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for being that for so many people in this room. 
God, tonight we want to we want to again bring the students in our lives in front of you. I bring our youth group in front of you. And the students that are still afraid or just haven't figured out a way to join our group yet, we pray for them too. That they would know the security that they can have in you. That you would strengthen them through your Holy Spirit in their inner being. That they would be rooted and established in in your love, that whatever is going on in their life, um, whatever is seeking to um, suck life from them and empty them, that they would have their fullness in you and know that they're not alone. God, forgive us for being control freaks at times. We release them to you because you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen.